Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, I pray that you open hearts tonight. Father, this, this Word uh, takes a little bit of focus for folks to be able to follow, but I pray that you deposit in each person that took the time to, to hear this word tonight, deposit in them richly, and I'll give you all the glory and all the honor for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, look at some selective psalms, or we're going to study the psalms, but look at some uh, selective chapters. So we're going to be in today, verse 30 and chapter 1, and on this occasion, uh, David wrote about the dedication of his personal palace, and it was built with the beautiful cedar trees that were sent to him from Tyre, and it was also built by the world's uh, greatest uh, craftsmen. Uh, let's, matter of fact, go back before we, we go forward. Uh, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 3, and I'm sorry, chapter 5 and verse uh, 11, then we'll get right back to the psalm. Then Haram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees. And carpenters and masons. So we see here another king sent David the material and the workmen for his temple. And they built David a house. Now, the fact that a neighboring king um, honored David with such uh, materials and workers uh, to build his house shows uh, the, the, the immense uh, influence that David had developed in his particular part of the world. So David was not only a great Warrior. He was also a man that built successful alliances. And in life, uh, we need friends, and friends are super important. But in business, we, we also need to identify, develop, and sustain strategic partners. And if you don't learn this in business, uh, you will not be successful. But that's more of an RLN thing that we'll, we'll discuss sometime in the future. But let's get back. So, so David knew after uh, the king had honored him in this way and he had finished his palace. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king. You know, sometimes things happen, but it doesn't really register yet. So he had been king for a while, but it didn't really register what the Lord had done in his life until this particular occasion. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. So uh, this event helped David confirm two things. Number one, that God had, God had done this. This wasn't his flesh. This wasn't uh, about him being strategic and re meeting the right people and somehow he got into position. No, this was about God establishing him as king. So he understood God established him as king. But here's what I need you to know. You know, God will eventually give you uh, real-life proof of the things he's promised and the things he's called you to. And, and I, sometimes I, I scratch my head because I wonder, you know, folks, they, they, they know so much. I mean, somehow you are secretly the world's greatest business person. You are somehow secretly the, the world's greatest artist, the great, greatest, you know, uh, politician, uh, the greatest apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher. But God has never done anything tangible yet in your life. You've never yet built anything, accomplished anything. And it's amazing sometimes where our minds go uh, and, and how we kind of suffer delusions as, as it relates to uh, the things we're called to. But, but David, not only was he called when he was a kid, eventually there was corresponding fruit or things that he could look at that uh, verified the fact that God's hand was on his life uh, to do the things that, that he 
believed God called him to do. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. So number two, David understood that uh, this was not just about getting power for, for David and David's sake, but he was to use the power that God had given him uh, to bless God's people. This is an important person. You, you're not ready for next uh, until you recognize that next is not all about you. It's not just about, you know, you being in position, you know, you being saluted. Ultimately, we see in the verse that he promoted David for his people's sake or for Israel's sake. So everything God does for you is really about you becoming a conduit of God's blessings for his house. So many times what we do is God blesses us and we, we get busy with life and the blessing and we no longer support and bless God's people. But David understood the purpose of it all, or at least God was making it clear to David that the purpose of it all uh, was uh, for him to, to, to serve his people. Let's go back to Psalm 30 and verse 1. You have a little context text now. And we're going to begin again uh, with verse one. He says, David speaking, I will ex extol. Now that's not language we use. We would say exalt. Uh, uh, I will exalt you. You know, many translations actually say exalt versus extol. Um, but the, the language here or the word, the Hebrew word that's, that's uh, translated either exalt or extol uh, was used when God exalted a, a person to a higher position. It was also used when God uh, lifted someone uh, out of uh, danger to safety. So the, the idea is, is God lifting you up. But when it's applied to God, it's a little bit different. It means to put God in the highest, the highest position, first chair, first seat, front seat. So how do we exalt someone that's already at the top? I mean, God, you know, is, is, is at the, the, the top of the pecking order. I mean, how do we exalt God? He's already high and lifted up, if you will. But what's amazing about how God created us is, you know, God is sovereign, but in some senses, he's also made us sovereign individuals. Uh, so, you know, by nature, God is, is at the top, but he allows human beings to make a choice in, on our insides whether we exalt him or not. So exalting the Lord is really a choice. Now, he is exalted, but to, we, we could choose to make our insides match reality, or we could have our inside kind of uh, tell an untruth. I don't know if I communicated that well. Um, as human beings, we have a choice to exalt the problem or to exalt our God. We have a choice to exalt difficulties or, or, or things that, 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 that challenge us or the God that's capable of fixing it. But ultimately, it's your choice. I'm still not sure if I said that right, but when we exalt the Lord, it's not that God needs us to lift him in order for him to be high. He's already high. But it's simply us making a decision in our hearts to magnify him as Lord, to recognize his lordship, that he's bigger, that he's stronger, that he's wiser, that he's in the top position. This is our choice. And many of us do not make that choice. Uh, we, again, exalt everything else but God. We exalt the economy. We exalt, you know, uh, who's in office, who's not in office. We exalt whether we're married, not married, whether our, our husband or wife is behaving or are behaving or, or, or not. Um, we, we exalt so many things other than the, the Lord. But David is saying here, I will exalt you, O Lord. So, 
When God makes something of your life like he did with David, now David had this beautiful palace, and palaces meant a lot to kings. Uh, this represented his, his, him being established. This represented his splendor. This represented his power. Uh, this represented the fact that he was not a fly-by-night king. This was a king uh, with established authority, and it created a level of prestige here. So uh, when God makes something of your life like he did with, with David, here's the question. Will you exalt yourself, or will you exalt the Lord. So he has this beautiful palace. I mean, he is the man in the Middle East at this particular juncture. And what does he do? He extols or exalts God. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name be the glory. O Lord, for you have, you, you, you have lifted me up. David knew where his help came from. David understood what side of his bread had, had the butter. You see, God found him herding some, some sheep, you know, actually his brother said a few sheep on the backside of the desert years ago, but God helped him defeat Goliath. And then the king came after him and God preserved him, sustained him and, 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 and helped uh, David in the midst of that crisis. And David understood that this was not his own doing. This was not because he had great strategies. This was not because he hired a great uh, personal coach. This happened because the Lord lifted him up. Oh, Lord, for you have lifted me up. Now, this term lifted me up. We're in Bible study, so we can dig in like this. It speaks, uh, it speaks really of, of being lifted up from the depths of trouble, uh, a, a lot like uh, a bucket that reaches down into a well. Uh, anyone other than me ever been lifted up? This is what God wants to do. This is what, what God rejoices in doing in our life, lifting us up. And you have not let my foes rejoice over me. Now, this is important. Everyone was not rooting for David, and everyone will not be rooting for you. This is just a reality. We live around insecure people in insecure times, and everybody will not be your fans. And, and frankly, having an enemy, all, all it means is just at some point in your life, you stood up for something. That's all it means when you have an enemy. If you don't have an enemy or any enemies, you probably never stood up for much in your life. Oh, Lord, my God. Now, we're in the Psalms, and, and, and David is, 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 is an incredible worshiper, and I want you to hear his heart. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried out to you. Now, I know some people are deeper than I am, and uh, they, they might not get what I'm about to say, but sometimes all I can say is help. I don't really have, the, you know, the, the words, or, or I, I don't really even know how to sometimes say what it is I want exactly, but I know I need help. And sometimes it doesn't come out in articulate speech. Sometimes, for me, I, I speak in tongues more than you all. I mean, I speak in tongues very, very often. Why? Because I don't have all the answers. Uh, but uh, there, there are times I just... All I could do is cry out to God because I don't really understand all that I need to understand yet. He said, oh, Lord, my God, I cried out to you. Watch what happened. And you healed me. This is both physically and emotionally. But primarily here, speaking of physically, and this is in the old covenant, by the way. So, you know, in the better covenant, he still does the same thing. And if anything, he does it more uh, because we, we know it's physical because verse three says this. Oh, Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave, which means David as a soldier had been wounded. He had uh, been injured on the battlefield many, many times, but God kept him. And then it goes on. It's really clear. You have kept me alive. If you think you have nothing else to thank God for, at least you can thank him that you are still 
alive. At least you have that one thing. He said, you have kept me alive that I shall not go down to the, the pit. Now, I know you have some hurts. I know you have some, some disappointments and some angst, but, but, but thank God no one's throwing clumps, you know, uh, uh, on your grave today. There are still reasons for us to give thanks. And I, I recognize you're not where you want to be, but, but things could have turned out far worse. Things could be very different than, than the way they are today. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Bishop Derek Greer. Stay tuned, and we will be right back with the rest of today's teaching. Everything in life is an exchange. We exchange hours every week for a paycheck. We exchange energy to visit friends. We exchange time to make phone calls. Everything in life is an exchange. And how much time, energy, and resources we're willing to trade for things ultimately reveal their value to each of us. Jesus gives us an important insight in Matthew 6 and 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the things we invest the most in are ultimately the things we value most. Now, here's a personal question. If God examined the things you devote most of your treasure to, what would he say you valued the most? I will never forget the moment when the Lord gave me a young, inexperienced minister the most needed advice ever. He said, stop listening to what people say and watch what they do. Man, this is true for me and true for you. Actions always speak louder than words. So what is your life and the lives of people around you really saying? For more, go to gracechurchva.org. And as always, live big. Now back to today's teaching. Verse 4, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. So David is celebrating his palace. He starts talking a little bit about, uh, you know, what the Lord had, had done in his life. And it wasn't because he was this excellent, perfect, per perfect person. It's because he cried out to the Lord, sometimes didn't have answers, but he cried out to the Lord and, and the Lord heard him and, and then he went to battle and sometimes he was wounded. He, he, he didn't know if he'd recover. Then, then God would, would, would heal him. And, and, uh, you know, at times it really looked bad. And then verse four, he says, I'm telling you about me, but I want you to join in. And this is what the Lord wants us to do. Have a life that causes others to give him praise and to give him worship. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, his literally you holy ones. Now, you may not feel holy, but the, the reality is when God is in you, you are automatically holy. So why did, if you remember, why did Moses take off his shoes on Mount Sinai? Uh, was it because uh, uh, the dirt composition on the mountain was different than on the mountains? No. God said, you're standing on holy ground. It wasn't holy because it was special dirt. The, the, the reason the mountain was holy was because God was on the Mountain. So wherever God is, is a holy place. So what makes us holy is God in us and no other reason. And give thanks at the remembrance. Now, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a powerful statement itself, but I want to get to some others. But what he's saying, basically, I'm going to quote Isaiah here. You need to remember the rock from which you were hewn, the hole in the pit from which you were dug. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Now, holiness is basically the sum of all God's perfections. Everything perfect about God, everything different, unique, extraordinary, exceptional about God is characterized by this term holiness. He is in a class by himself. He is transcendent and above. He is not creaturely in any 
way. He is the absolute, omnipotent, omniscient, uh, uh, all-powerful, uh, almighty, ever-present God. It says, give thanks at the remembrance of his what? Holy name. Now, name here, it means a lot of things, but in this verse, he, he's speaking of of God's personal goodness to, to David, his personal kindness, his tender mercies over and over again to David. It, it, it's what God has revealed of himself to David over and over and over and over again. And frankly, in your life, if you look back rightly, you'll see that God has shown you kindness. God has shown you mercy. God has shown you love, tremendous patience over and over and over and over and over again. His name was holy. When others would have left you, he did not leave you because he is holy. He is above the rest. He is in a class by himself. He's not like every Everyone else. Then it says in verse five, for his anger is but for a moment. Now, God will take you to the woodshed if he has to. He will discipline you. I know he has me, but the pain will not last forever. It says his anger is for what? A moment. Now, notice the contrast. Next verse. But his favor is for life. So if we would repent, if we would turn to him. God's discipline can be short-lived. Uh, but when we submit to this process, uh, the, the benefits can last us a lifetime. For his anger is for a moment, but his favor, what we receive from that, the, those seasons of discipline, it will bless you for a lifetime. So submit to his process. Submit to his chastening hand. Do not try to get out from under God's discipline. Stay under, obey him even in those seasons because it will bless you for a lifetime to come. Then he goes on and says, weeping may endure, literally lodge, just like, you know, a lodge is, you know, lodges. We used to call hotels lodges. It's a place where you stay or sleep. So weeping may lodge for a night. Now he's about to say that in every believer's home, every child child of God's home, there's going to be two visitors. There's going to be weeping, but there's also going to be joy. It says weeping may endure, weeping may stay, weeping may have a season for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, there's joy and pain, sunshine and rain. Anybody remember Frankie Beverly? Uh, for our light affliction, the Bible said, is but for a moment. It's working for us an exceedingly, uh, an eternal weight of, of glory. It says, weeping may endure for the night, but just hang on there. Morning, may hang in there. Morning is coming. Stay, stay through the season. Light will come, but you just have to, to hang in and make it through the night. Now, verse six. Now, this is, this is the part I wanted to to focus on because David had a moment like many of us have uh, in our journeys. He said, now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never, ever be moved. So when things were going well, David got full of himself. Uh, he started thinking he was special. He started thinking that perhaps he had more faith than, 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 than other people. Maybe he was stronger than everyone. Maybe he was more deserving than everyone else. Maybe there was just something special about him, and he was just a better guy in, in, in ways. And, and he started thinking, you know what? You know, I, I'm, I'm really special. Uh, you know what? I, I think I'm going to be exempt from the world trying to take my measure. I, I think, you know, after all, I, I'm so anointed. Listen to me sing. Listen, listen to the songs that are, that are coming out of my mouth. L listen to the things I write. Watch how the Holy Spirit moves me. Remember what I did with uh, David, um, Goliath? Remember how God kept me with, with Saul? And, and after all, I am the, the, the great king. I am the man of God, as, as, as people say. And in the moment of prosperity, you know, he was like, you know what? Uh, you know, I, 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 I think I'm, I'm, I'm special. 
In some ways, we are special to God, but I, I, that's not how I mean it. Uh, but then life showed up. Um, and uh, verse 7, it said, Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. Okay, 6 and 7, this is Hebrew poetry. So actually, there's contrasting points. So at one point, he said, I shall never be moved. I, notice the I, okay? In verse 7, he says, it's your favor that has kept me. So uh, basically, what God had to do is teach him some, some lessons. And that's why some of y'all have been sent to grace, because you've been sent here to learn some things. In your prosperity, you said, you know, I shall never be moved. But, but you know, he got the big head, verse 7. But Lord, I came to understand, it's by your favor, you have made my mountain stand strong. So it wasn't my strength. It wasn't my personal qualities. It, it, those things didn't make a difference. What made a difference was your patience with me, your favor in my life. That's what made me the great individual that he had become. And that's what will make you the great individual God wants to make you. And then he continues to explain this. And you'll understand why I saw those verses this way. You hid your face and I was troubled. So what God had to do for a moment is pull back his hand on David's life just for a season. And David almost fell apart. We can watch some of the things that he did in his life. He, he feigned that he was insane and dribble started coming off of his beard, spit and, and all different types of things. He, he, he struggled until he remembered his God. Now, this is David, again, the sweet psalmist uh, of Israel. He became as pitiful and as desperate as any other person when God put, pulled his hand back until he remembered the Lord. I want to ask you, do you hear what I'm saying today? Um, God, sometimes because he loves us so much, we get cocky. So he has to pull back a little bit just to remind us, hey, dude, the only reason or hey, daughter, the only reason you're successful at all is because of me. The only reason you're, you're still at it. The only reason you're in the position you're in is because of me. The, the air you breathe comes from me. The next thought in your mind, I gave you the capacity to think it. And, and God is, is trying to, to, sometimes he has to back up and say, okay, you think you got it, go ahead. And it's really a mercy and kindness. It's his discipline. And he sometimes slightly withdraws his, his hand. But watch what David did. Because again, he got the big head. I shall not be moved. Um, he cried out. He said, I cried out to you, O Lord. Now, this is a different word translated cry than, than a little bit earlier. Uh, it means to cry out in a loud voice. And sometimes, now I'm speaking to somebody, sometimes the spanking is not over until you cry out loud from your heart. And, we, you know, if, if, <laughs> see, the, the ancients were different than we are today, and I'm not trying to tell you to go beat your child. I'm not trying to tell you to do that. But um, an ancient would spank their child until it at least cried. And if there were no tears, the spanking was not over. Actually, it was considered insolence to stand there and just tough out the spanking. And with God, many of us, and, and we, we, we've not humbled ourselves. And because our knees won't bend, he has to keep at it. But it's not because God is mean or harsh. It's because we're stubborn and stuck. And if we would just humble our hearts, soften our hearts, tenderize our hearts, say, Lord, yeah, I am wrong. Yeah, I'm, you know, we, oh, it's not right. This ain't fair. No, Lord, I'm wrong. 
I, I admit it. It was my mistake. Yeah, I did get a big head. No, it wasn't the bishop's fault. Uh, no, no, it wasn't my husband's fault. No, it wasn't my boss. It, 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 it was me, Lord. And when you start owning it, uh, typically tears will come. And uh, uh, he said, I cried out to the Lord and to the Lord, I made supplication. So, uh, you know, you're saying basically, God, it was you alone that made me cry. Uh, you know, I, I, I got to the point I wasn't blaming everybody else around me. It was just between you and me. And Lord, it was, I finally said, Lord, I need you. God, you are the reason. You are the strength of my life. You are the, the, the only thing that really, really matters to me. And, and to the Lord, only the Lord, I made supplication. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.